0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Varsity 360. Colombian sports editor, Micah Rice, joined uh, by Meg Wachnick. And we have uh, two great things to talk about, football and chaos. And awesome. that is <laughs> and that is exactly what we have in the 2A Grayer St. Helens League, because uh, all of our predictions have basically been thrown a curveball, a uh, it's one of those leagues where as it uh, goes on now into three, four weeks into the league season, anybody has proven they can beat anybody else and so we're just going to kind of go back over how we got here, where we think it's going and at this point, I don't know, our, our predictions You know, that would take them for what they're worth, but it's been definitely among the four local leagues, the most entertaining and so we have plenty to get to. Uh, Meg, what are your thoughts on the 2 St. Helens League? Well, I'm
1: just like you. I'm just like, we're two weeks in the league play and what in the world's going on. I mean, every year we, we do predictions of how we think teams are going to finish based off of uh, our thinking as, as well as input from coaches. And it just shows that uh, we don't know anything. That's what
0: it shows. <laughs> it just goes. Through, yeah. And for me, I think it's a breath of fresh air because so often, especially in recent years when you've had you know, a state championship caliber team, whether it's Camus, whether it's Union, whether it's Hawkinson, it's kind of like, all right, we're playing these regular season games because you have to, but really the suspense is the playoffs. But uh, the 2A Greater St. Helens League is showing that anybody can beat anybody on any given Friday. And so let's kind of recap how we got here. Before the year, all eyes were on Washougal. And uh, for good reason, they have one of the uh, area's best quarterbacks in Holden B. Uh, we picked them to to win the league, and uh, uh, obviously uh, Woodland didn't get that message because uh, two weeks ago Woodland goes into Washougal and knocks off the Panthers thirty-three to twenty-eight. And that kind of threw a marker down that this league was going to be a little bit more uh, unpredictable than we maybe had thought.
1: No, it was. In fact, that was, I think, probably the the most surprising result um, to date when you look at all the the games that have been played through four weeks in Clark County. And so surprising that even a a number of two-way coaches uh, reached out that Friday night via text saying, uh, what what happened to Washougal is Holden B. Okay. That was the first thing they yeah. thought of is, mm-hmm. well, their star quarterback went down. So that's that's why uh, the upset happened. But no, it was just quality play by by Woodland starting off the game, recovering an onside kick. Mm-hmm. And so even though they didn't score points on that drive, you're taking a possession away um, from Washougal and in turn also getting uh, the second half kickoff. And so it was a great momentum builder for Woodland, but all of a sudden a week later, uh, they they got an L in the in the win loss column. Yeah,
0: so uh, at this point we're kind of readjusting our predictions. Where uh, I think we had picked Woodland third in the league, uh, but kind of with the, the the mindset that we thought it was going to be kind of Washugal and then Ridgefield right behind them, but then anybody's race for those third and fourth playoff spots, suddenly we're thinking, gosh, Woodland, you know, they, they ran the ball up. Uh, Elijah Anderson is having a, a great year statistically. So we're starting to think uh, Woodland is going to be in the hunt for a league championship after this huge upset. Well, they go to Columbia River, and Columbia River beats them 26-20. to 20. This is a Columbia River team that lost its start, starting quarterback two weeks before. Uh, uh, you know, We didn't really know what to make of the Rapids. They, um, you know, We have addressed kind of what happened with uh, uh, Skyview and kind of that mismatch. That carried over the next week where they were missing multiple starters, including their quarterback, against a Mark Morris team that really is kind of per- predicted to be kind of in the middle to bottom of the league they lose to Mark Morris we're thinking okay uh, Columbia River this isn't the, their year well they come back they beat Woodland and uh uh this is just goes to show not only how unpredictable the league can be but how injuries can also uh really impact uh, a team week to week.
1: It was. I mean, this was a game that you mentioned, the starting quarterback. This is the second straight game start to finish that Ethan Long played. And he had a tremendous game, throwing for nearly 300 yards. But this was a game that saw a number of injuries, including one that required an ambulance for Woodland. Uh, talking with their coaching staff, that kid is okay. X-rays were clean. Tests were fine. And, and that's good news. And, and this was a game that they lost not one, but two, two-way starters. And they came into the game already having down three starters. So you're down five of your your quality players not to take anything away from Columbia River and Woodland coaches would say, hey, that's not an excuse. Any good coach would say that, and by no means is Woodland using that as an excuse. But you gotta wonder what would happen if it was a fully healthy Woodland team.
0: Yeah, but Columbia River, if anyone tempted to write them off, they're suddenly right in there with the bulk of the rest of the league at one and one, which leaves just one two and oh team. And that's a team that Mia culpa here for, for the, the entire colombian sports staff uh we did not pick the hudson's bay eagles uh high enough i think we had them as seventh out of eight teams in the league well two weeks into the league season four weeks into the the, the, the season as a whole and here the hudson's bay eagles are undefeated They uh they went and had uh you know for me, one of the more surprising results of last Friday, going to Ridgefield and beating the Sputters 28-24, uh, the Bauman brothers, uh, Rafael and Akil, continue to run the ball behind an offensive line that is just really surprised w- w- with the, the level of their play so far. Hudson's Bay 2-0 standing alone on the top of the 2A GSHL, just like we predicted.
1: Right, no, not <laughs> a chance. You know, it's great to see uh, Bay having a tremendous start, one of a couple teams that are still 4-0 and in this area, and I think what I appreciate most about this league is the word parity, right? For so many years, right, Hawkinson winning back-to-back state championships. It was always that kind of premier team and then, you know, kind of everyone else. But what this league has shown, even though we're only two weeks into the league season, is a lot of parity going on, and, and that's great for the league because you know it's going to be competitive games week in and week out, and we've seen that early on.
0: Well, just to set the stage for the rest of the league season. um, So for those of you that follow this league uh, avidly and for a long time, you know how it works. Uh, Four teams make the postseason. They have a crossover district uh, matchup with the Evergreen Conference. That's the conference that includes Tumwater, WF West, Black Hills, Aberdeen, Centralia, you know, a few other schools up there. But uh, uh, so The number one in the 2A Greater St. Helens League gets the number four in the Evergreen Conference. The number two plays the number three, you know, on down to where the third seed from the 2A GSHL goes and plays usually a pretty tough number two seed in the Evergreen Conference. And the number four team. Gets the um, uh, initiation of uh, seeing a real powerhouse up close and personal. Usually in Tumwater, although last year that was WF West who uh, did that. But Tumwater, as we were talking in kind of our prep meeting for the show, Tumwater is back to doing Tumwater things. They're always going to be one of the top teams in the league, one of the top team or top teams in the state, one of the top teams in Southwest Washington. Uh, so. When you have a 2A Greater St. Helens League that is so tight and one game can make a difference, not only between making the playoffs and having your season end, but also hosting a playoff game as the number two seed versus maybe going on the road to a Tom Water, to a WF West. there's going to be little margin for error the rest of the way. No,
1: that matters, right? The ones and twos get to host. The threes and fours are on the road, and, and it's kind of a, a joke every year, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you don't want to be the four seed because you know who you're going to play, and more often than not, it is Tumwater. And yeah. so uh, every, every possession matters, every game matters, and... Fortunately, we still have a long way to go.
0: Yeah, so just to reset the league standings, it's uh, uh, Hudson's Bay all alone at the top 2-0. and And then you have everyone else who uh, has thrown their hat in basically uh, at 1-1, one and one, uh, including Mark Morris, including Columbia River, including Woodland, including Washougal, including Richfield. Uh, so a few of the the key games coming up this friday we start right right with it with um uh ridgefield and washougal that's going to be that that's going to be one where i think we're going to learn a little bit more about uh number one who is kind of going to be right there but Could you imagine if uh, Richfield and Washougal, we we, we never would have predicted one of those teams would start one and two?
1: No, no, not at all. And unfortunately, one of those records is going to happen with with one of those two schools. So it's only going to be a week five contest, but we're already talking about two of the really the premier programs in this league going at it. And this is where we're going to really kind of find out who, what programs really separate themselves? This is almost like a, a separation game, you can call
0: it. Yeah, and then the next week we have uh, Washugal and Hudson's Bay.
1: Another tremendous matchup. Um, yeah. You know, this is one where we're going to see. Both teams are—they are for real, and I believe they are. And we're going to see kind of who dukes it out and who comes out with that dub.
0: Yeah, and, but then the beauty of having everybody jumbled together uh, means that we also pay attention to what Columbia River does. Heck, Hawkinson is one of one. Absolutely. And, uh, so you know, you—you you know, far be it for us to to count out any team at this point because yeah. you know not only injuries but you have players they improve, they grow, they gel during the course of the season you can be a very different team in week seven than you are at week three.
1: And that's what coaches want. You don't want to be playing your best ball in September. You want to be playing your best ball at the end of October in that regular season. And then hopefully getting the chance to continually improve once the playoffs start in November.
0: And hopefully, you know, it goes on. Like we said, every week is going to be important. But then we have week nine. You have Woodland and Ridgefield. Woodland, assuming they get healthy by that point, you know, I imagine they'll still be in the mix uh it you know we could say that could be a decisive game and it probably will be but at this point who knows <laughs>
1: if i had to make a projection right now i would say those are going to be battling for the third and fourth spots in the playoff race
0: well let's get to that how do we you know again take it with a grain of salt because obviously through the first uh part of the season our predictions for this league haven't uh, haven't quite borne out but where do you think we go from this number one is bay for real
1: i believe they are yes yeah. Um, The fact that they took Richfield on the road with a W, that to me showed that that this team is for real.
0: Well, and I think what's impressed me most about Hudson's Bay is the way, the the, the playmaking ability, but in a way that's rooted in something that's more fundamental like their offensive line play. It's one thing, and, and some Bay teams in recent years have been like this, where you have an incredibly talented running back who. Get him in space. He can break it at any given play. But this is more than that. This is, we need eight yards. We're going to run it behind the big guys up front. That's more sustainable than having the ball in a, a, a speedster's hands and wait for him to, to juke some people.
1: It's almost like we're going back 20 years to really just power run football, right? Right. You know, who, who it says... still wins. You? <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. it's okay to get four or five yards every play and hold the ball for... 17 possessions going 85 yards downfield and and using seven and a half eight minutes on the clock there's nothing wrong with that and we're seeing that with the success of bay right now
0: so we think bay is going to stay in the mix just because of of what they've shown so far washugal how much should we read what did the loss to woodland expose some things about the panthers or is that a bad night for them where they just got someone's best game and and it just a few breaks went the wrong way
1: no I I don't think so at all I think you you look at remember from last year where they had that non-league week two loss to Topanish, a 1A program and all of a sudden saying oh what's wrong with Washougal nothing's wrong with Ugal. so it was just a, a great performance by a very hungry woodland team you got to remember this is the defending league champions that went undefeated in league play last year so you're always going to get your best game when you're facing against a team that everyone is projecting to win the league title
0: we touched on Woodland. Uh, I think the issue with them is how quickly they can get healthy. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, you you can't, yeah, you know, especially at any well at any level of football, but especially at the smaller school level, the two A's, the one A's. So you know, not everybody's a Tumwater that has eighty people in the program. You you can't be a two A team and miss five two A starters and have it not impact what you can do on the field. So I I think that's, I think with the caveat that they get right healthy, um, you you know, health-wise, the way that they can run the ball with Elijah Anderson, if they can do that for more games than not toward the end of the year, um, I I think they're right in the running for a a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, I I remember watching Elijah Anderson a couple weeks ago against and and he's a kid who you know, he makes an impact everywhere on the field, offense, defense, special teams against the center. He played five different positions. Mm. And so in order for Woodland to be successful, mm. Elijah Anderson's going to have to have a big game.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ridgefield, um, what you, know, you, we, you said earlier in this episode, you think that week nine Woodland Ridgefield game will be for the, the to decide the third and fourth <laughs> playoff seeds. What makes us think that Richfield, uh, you know, what can we expect from them? I mean, they, they've just lost a close game to a ascendant Hudson's Bay program. But we know Richfield's well coached. We know they have depth. They usually have good line play and, and a, a, a good running attack. They have that two-quarterback system that they've, they've kind of used in the past, which gives them some depth there. What are you looking for, Ridge, for from Ridgefield the rest of the season? Thing, yeah,
1: the thing that stood out for me for the Sputters was actually their week one win over WF West, a team that made the state semifinals a year ago in 2A. And I like so far what they've done defensively. Mm. So I know they, they've got that two-quarterback system. They're kind of going with one so far. Uh, that's that's made a lot of strides in these first four weeks, but defensively that's really going to help carry the Sputters.
0: Right. Then we got Columbia River, the team that everyone was eager to, well m- maybe not eager, but uh, uh, maybe understandable and sort of riding off a little bit when they uh, got beat up so bad with five players uh, 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 sustaining concussions against uh, Skyview and losing their starting quarterback Braden Schieffer to a shoulder injury. I think everybody kind of thought, well, Columbia River, they're sort of licking their wounds they're they got a backup quarterback um, and we don't know what they're going to kind of be able to do um, losing their league opener to Mark Morris but then coming back beating Woodland in week two um, I think there's a newfound confidence with that team not only that they can win and beat uh, another quality opponent but that they can have uh, uh, confidence in their backup quarterback who uh, put up, you know, he's an Athlete of the Week um, uh, you know, contender this year uh, or this this week. Um, I think there's a, just a newfound confidence in what Columbia River can do.
1: Absolutely. You know, you're, you're coming in again, Ethan Long, just a second full game as the starting quarterback, or I guess filling in for the starting quarterback's role. And, and I don't want to say the word quarterback controversy, but as well as he's played last week, you got to factor in how are you going to get him on the field for as well as he's playing if their original starter is going to come back soon?
0: Well, I think, you know what, what probably the biggest difference, and I, I'm not going to put myself in his shoes or anybody else in the program shoes, but I got to think he was able to take a huge stride in confidence between the Mark Morris game his first start of the season and the Woodland game uh, going from being thrust into a really bad situation against a Skyview defense that was dominant and coming after you uh, that that's gonna rattle anybody's confidence and so I imagine there was a little bit of a of, you know hangover from that the following week but to be able to get right to work with your receivers on timing Mm um you know you got uh, Ethan's a senior too so that's Mm -hmm. the thing so that uh that brings that kind of more mature mindset into that position um you got to think that that uh it opens up a ton of possibilities for what the Rapids are able to do from this point on absolutely yeah so and then Hawkinson like we said they're and one a team that we sort of looked at and and they they had a, a, a real tough go of it in their non-league uh, point of the, uh part of the season with a few lopsided losses but uh, you know they had that Thursday win against ra long throwing them in right with everyone else at one and one uh, Ken Hawkinson kind of Throw a curveball in this whole thing. You got to
1: remember, this is a program that right has won back-to-back state championships, 2017 and 2018. There's still a number of coaches on that staff who were a part of those run state championships. So you talk about just the quality coaching and the the overall program success. Hawkinson has has a stretch of that. They, they know what it takes to win. So absolutely. It's only been two weeks of league play.
0: Yeah. And so R.A. Long, obviously, they'd love to play spoilers. Uh, they're they're the lone 0-2 team. But uh, uh, if this league has shown us anything, it's that anything can happen on any given week.
1: Parody is a good thing.
0: All right. Looking ahead to a really interesting trend in high school football that you're looking at with a story, Meg. Uh, the ascendancy of female high school coaches. It started You know, with maybe one or or two uh, advisors at the NFL level, and then has trickled down those women being role models for other women to get into the coaching profession. And now we have multiple women on staff here at our local high schools. What did you find out?
1: Yeah, so we're this is a two-way GSHL themed podcast, and so we're just going to keep on that. So both Hudson's Bay and Columbia River each have female assistant coaches. Both of them are linebackers coaches. River, it's Ruth Ingebrand, who's also the ASB clerk. And over at Bay, it's Kelly Dyer, who's in her second year coaching outside linebackers. And I had a chance to chat with them and and just watch each of their practices last week. And I am so impressed. Uh, with just their coaching style, the way they converse and talk with not only their fellow coaches on staff, but also working with their athletes. And I'll just say it, they're total badass women out there. They really are. And what I appreciate most by talking to them is not only do they feel that yes, more women need to be involved in all levels of football. And we've seen that that trend in the NFL. We've seen that in colleges with officiating as well. But there's still not enough at the local high school levels. And that's what they're, they're hoping to change. And these two women actually met back this summer. Uh, this is Kelly's second year at Bay. And Ruth, this is her first year at River. And they've built a bit of a strong bond and a connection. And they're using encouragement and support to each other to help build each other up. You know, they both said, "Hey, it's tough out there." Mm-hmm. You know, they're the Lone Rangers. Year uh week in and week out, you know, there's not a whole lot of women that they're able to have that connection with until they meet uh on opposing sidelines in week 9 when Ban River face off.
0: You know, I got to think it's so impactful. Not you know, what it's one thing when uh, a high school kid sees a female uh, NFL assistant or a female referee on their television, or they read a story about uh, uh, someone like Jen Weller uh, who who really broke ground in, in uh, for females in professional football. But it's another thing to be on the practice field day in, day out, see how much knowledge uh, you know, and mentorship these women have, their understanding of the game, their understanding of nuances and details and their ability to communicate those to make those young men better in their jobs and their positions. Um, how, how impactful do you get that that is for young high school kids to see women in those positions.
1: Oh, it, it, it is truly impactful. In fact, talking with um, a couple of the Bay players last week when I asked him about Kelly and just what makes her so special and unique as their position coach. And they said, she's our favorite coach because mm. she goes beyond football. Mm. You know, and that's so refreshing to hear. None of these women have ever played a down in football. But as Kelly Dyer said, I am an athlete. Mm -hmm. whether it's softball, track and field, baseball, volleyball, her background allows her to excel in teaching the outside linebackers positions. Ruth over at Columbia River, she's a former MMA and boxer. Mm -hmm. And so she has that fighting experience and that toughness and that tenaciousness that she brings to the position as well. Even though none of these women have ever played a down, they do have background coaching youth football, whether it's It's um, Pop Warner with Kelly over at Bay or whether it's um, middle school football over at McLaughlin for Ruth.
0: Well, certainly there there are some skill sets that are unique to football. But really, if you know how to move and Mm -hmm. leverage your body and uh, condition your body and uh, uh, take angles and and, different Positioning and everything, and then you get on the X's and O's, which some of the, some of the most brilliant football minds, when it comes to X's and O's, you know that that doesn't depend on your gender. You can uh, You you can study up on that and be a, a an offensive or a defensive whiz, no matter if you played or or not. But uh, I gotta think that certainly. The, the physical nature of the sports those women did can translate very well to football.
1: No question. Yeah. Again, Ruth being an MMA fighter and boxer, think of just even just the hip mobility and mm-hmm. movement playing that or teaching that outside linebacker's position. So absolutely, it crosses over beautifully.
0: Do you get the sense that five, ten years ago that we won't just be talking about two, we could have even more?
1: I think it's, it's even just in the next couple of years, really. I mean, these women... They they think of themselves as these trendsetters, and hopefully we can see more and more of it, right? They understand that the stigmas or, or just the genders surrounding football that a lot of people still perceive is a man's sport. But they're coming in here saying, you know what, we can make an impact and let us show you that we can.
0: Do they talk about what the most difficult part of breaking through and being a trailblazer is? Yeah, right?
1: Yeah, just making sure their words are heard and their value is there. And I think... Talking with both of them, yes, they share their struggles, but they understand, too, that they're gaining the respect of the coaches. They're gaining the respect of the players. Uh, Talking with Dwayne Patterson, the head coach at Columbia River, he's been used to having females on his team. When he was back in high school at Redlands, California, Um, His starting quarterback was his childhood friend who was a female, who ended up being a trailblazer, uh, playing professional level on the women's side of professional football. And I think one of the favorite things that he said when talking with him about Ruth is, hey, I don't see Ruth as a female coach. I see Ruth as a coach. And that was a great thing to hear. Um, from DP.
0: Yeah, that's what we all want at the end of the day. Be judged on your merits. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, read about that in this Friday's Columbia, and I can't wait to to take a look at it. As always, follow that story, any other trends, and especially the wackiness in the 2A Greater St. Helens League, 360preps.com, and we'll see you next week.